Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia, and today we're going to be joined by some special guests. We're going to have Josh Paredes joining us, and he is the NBA Editorial Director for Fansighted. It's uh, good to have you back on the show, Josh. It's been some time. It has, yes. Um, glad to be back. Any Anytime I can talk Spurs, even though it's not fun right now, um, I'll do it. Yeah, and we're also going to be joined by the one and only Noah Magarro-George, who is the editor, editor-in-chief for Air Alamo. So good to have you uh, t- with joining us again, talking San Antonio Spurs basketball, Noah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Josh. Uh, Love Spurs basketball, but it hasn't been fun in a while. So hopefully we can have some fun together and figure out some fun topics here because it has been a rough season. I was going to say a last couple of weeks, but honestly, it has been a rough season. (laughs) Yeah, let's not mince words. It's been a rough season. It's been a rough six months. (laughs) Yeah, And if you knew, you knew. You know, coming in, we had warned fans i think every one of us had told people that this was going to happen you know in this in this in the summertime in the off season it's like y'all wanted to go ahead and and be part of a rebuild well be careful what you ask for because when it's right there and you're experiencing it it's no fun you know and i think that's what spurs fans are coming to the realization of because spurs twitter is a mixed bag and you know you still have the weird time (laughs) Yeah, yeah it's, speaking uh, of that. it's rough, but it's 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 gonna happen. Um, every, people wanted it. This is what an actual rebuild looks like. I know people in the last twenty years don't know what it is, but yeah. welcome. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the rebuild. <laughs> and just speaking of tonight, you know, we're recording this before the uh, San Antonio Spurs finally uh, play a home game back at the AT and T Center against the Dallas Mavericks. And you know, oh, the they're Dallas still on the road, Ma- aren't they? Yeah, oh, it's this one and then two yeah. more. Yeah, sorry, yeah, <laughs> they're almost it's, it's, home. They're almost, They're almost home, home, but you know what? It may not make a difference. They're losing home or away. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so it doesn't anyway. matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter where they are. at this point. <laughs> but they are going to be playing the Dallas Mavericks, you know, and unfortunately for the Spurs, I just don't see them winning uh, this particular game against the Dallas Mavericks. And uh, looking at Josh and what he put up here uh, per the Spurs injury report straight from his Twitter account, you have a lot of people that are going to be missing. You have Kim Birch. You have Julian Champagne. He was out, you know. I like that name, by the way. Romeo Langford, Ro- Ro- Isaiah Roby's out, Devin Vassell's out, Trey Jones, they still have him listed as doubtful. The surprising one is Jeremy Sohan. They have him as questionable. I'm like, the kid hasn't even played a game. He just finished NBA All-Star Weekend, you know, just enjoying the festivities up in Utah, and you have him as questionable. Maybe they're just he dunked so ready. hard. He dunked so hard that quad <laughs> just got tight again. <laughs> and that's what Coach Pop is probably going to say. Yeah, I left quad soreness. We're just going to rest you. <laughs> we're going to rest you, young one. We're, we're tanking here. So, yeah, we don't need you on the court. But <laughs> we're going to start getting into some of these topics from uh, today's episode. So one of the first ones is we're just going to, you know, kind of go around the horn here and you know, Red McCombs, uh, the owner of, uh, former owner of the San Antonio Spurs, passed away um, this past Sunday. Um, so, Red Red McCombs was actually one of the driving forces to, you know, behind the San Antonio Spurs and actually brought the the San Antonio the, the Chaparrales at that time to San Antonio, and that was way back in like, whew, you're talking like what 1967. Something like that before I was and, born. Yeah, sure. before even I was born, <laughs> he brought the he brought the chaparrales to San Antonio. Then in 1973, the team became the San Antonio Spurs. Three years later, they 
were in the NBA playing their first NBA uh, game here in San Antonio. So Red McCombs was responsible for responsible for bringing professional sports to San Antonio and, you know, his um, philanthropy and, you know, his generosity is, you know, seen throughout the city here and what he's able to do for the community and also for, you know, children and, and their and their sports uh, as well. You know, these after school sporting uh, programs that he has that are, you know, made possible by Red McCombs and his and his his, his organization. But. You know, even the San Antonio Spurs themselves were named after the city that Red McCombs grew up in, which was Spur, Texas. So little known fact there. But I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> just to show you, you know, his impact that he's had on the city as a whole, you know. So, you know, it was sad to see him, you know, pass on, but he's going to leave a, a long lasting legacy that's going to endure here in the city for, for future generations. And we'll go ahead and go with you, Josh. Anything you want to say about, you know, the passing of Red? Yeah, I mean, you kind of covered it all. I'm, I'm glad you did, because like you said, it is before all of our time. So I didn't <laughs> know much about him, but I do know that he he's responsible for everything that all the success that the Spurs have had, because they wouldn't even been in San Antonio without him. So yeah. um, just all I can say is thanks for everything he did um, and, you know, everything resulting from from him having faith in the city and what what it can offer a franchise and having that franchise be so successful of course there were a lot of uh dominoes that came after word that we we're very fortunate to have but he was the one that hit the very first one to to spark all of that so uh thanks for everything you know rest in peace and hopefully uh you know his family and everyone is uh you know they can they can we can remember his legacy you know the whole city is thankful for him so um yeah yeah and what about you? Know anything you want to say about Red? I think y'all pretty much covered it all. The really the only thing I can add to that is, if not for the Spurs coming to the city, which was obviously by his doing, there's a chance you know none of us would be here, you know, through Zoom or in the same room. You know, we're not actually in the same room, but you know, talking yeah. about basketball, you know, talking about a team that we love that we probably grew up watching. I know for me, I fell in love with basketball because the Spurs were good and they were winning championships. And I got to go to games occasionally with my parents. And, you know, if, if he doesn't bring them to San Antonio, there's a good chance that I never go to a game that I never fall in love with basketball, that that doesn't spark my interest in writing about basketball and covering the team and trying to pursue a, uh, you know, a career in sports media. So his, you know, his impact goes beyond just me or you or Josh, but it reaches to a lot of different people. So, you know, without him, there there are no Spurs. And that's, you know, that's impossible to think of the city of San Antonio without thinking of the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, you know, and if it wasn't for Red and he bringing the Spurs over to San Antonio, we wouldn't have the San Antonio Spurs in the playoffs or getting near the playoffs and Fiesta going hand in hand. Of course, that's not going to happen for <laughs> quite some time, but the <laughs> memories, the fondness of the memories that was, you know, Fiesta and going to the parade and you see the Spurs float and they were flashing the the score of the game, you know, all that kind of stuff. Seeing just people, you know, in the city come alive with just, you know, everybody sporting their Spurs gear, seeing the flags on the cars and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it was, you know, Red bringing the San Antonio Spurs to San Antonio that, you know, we were able to enjoy all that. So, yeah, wish him well, you know, um, hopefully, you know, him and the family are there. Well, you know, the family's doing okay here in this somber time. But moving on here, we're going to go ahead and discuss uh, a, an article that I saw here that was kind of interesting. Um, let me go ahead and bring that up here. 
And this article I saw uh, on Fansighted, and it was, you know, through Hoops Hype, and it was done by Carl Duret. And it was three questions the San Antonio Spurs must answer after the All-Star break. So I was like, okay, you know, I, 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 liked, I liked what he had to say. You know, it was really, to me, it was interesting. You know, in the first question he had, he had put on here, he goes, um, let me go ahead and get this here. I believe the first one was, is Trey Jones the team's point guard of the future? You know, and he had put former, he was a former second round pick, you know, and he goes in to say, as he says, Jones, Trey Jones is a good defender and a playmaker and also has made strides as a scorer, but he's not irreplaceable. And he's pointing to the fact that you have the NBA draft that is coming up. And if the Spurs don't necessarily get that number one pick, which Spurs fans want, Wemby, we understand, <laughs> and they get that second pick and they wind up getting Scoot Henderson, which I'm really high on. I really like Scoot. That Scoot could actually potentially replace Trey Jones as the starting point guard on day one. So interesting there. What do you think about that, Noah? We'll start with you. Yeah, first shout out to Cal. Um, he writes for Air Alamo. I think that's where, actually where he got his start with um, Fansided. So he does a lot of good stuff for us on Air Alamo. He knows the Spurs stuff, but I think he's right. I mean, Trey Jones is a solid point guard, but I think from the beginning of the season, we've all been under the impression he's just a spot starter. He's only starting because they don't have anyone else. And he, for a long time, was the only point guard on this roster after the Josh Primo thing went down. So he's fine. He looks like a really good future backup, and I kind of think that's what he's going to be. Even if the Spurs don't get Scoot this year, you know, he's just that sort of stopgap in between when you eventually find that guy. So, love Trey. I mean, he's like one of the guys who I have a lot of respect for. I mean, it's a tough position to be in the position he is in. But, yeah, he's probably not the starter. I'm going to have to agree with Cal here. Yeah, what about you, Josh? What are your impressions on this, that Scoot could potentially uh, replace Trey Jones as a starting point guard on day one? Yeah. Also, again, like shout out to Cal. I, 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 he started on Air Alamo when when I did, and I, I got him into Hoops Habit. He's now leading a full team of of writers on Hoops Habit, and they're wow. doing. He's he he gets the Spurs exposure on that. It's a general NBA site, so it's cool to to see when he writes about the Spurs there. So check out Hoops Habit. Um, as far as this, yeah, that that you know, basically his main point is like every position is upgradable if you don't have a star there and right now the spurs don't have any stars on any on any in any position and bona fide you know Devin Vassell maybe in the future Keldon but you know Trey Jones obviously isn't a star right now if you get Scoot Henderson who knows that might you know we've all seen what he can do um so yeah that that's the point he's making and I have no issue with that either obviously there's still a, a spot for Trey Jones um even if that were the case they they were to get a point guard but it might just not be starting, and I think he'd probably be fine with it. He would know. Um, but the name of the game is acquiring star power now. Um, that's what the Spurs need to do, and that's what this whole rebuild is all about. Yeah, and, you know, the interesting thing to me is if you're looking at the NBA draft prospects, you know, potentially with the Spurs could actually have fallen their laps even if they get one through five. Beyond Wemby, and beyond Scoot, if you're looking at the other positions that might be available, you know, for these teams, let's say three through five, a lot of the best available players are either going to be a point guard or a shooting guard. You don't have a lot of bigs that are going to be, I guess, the prizes one through ten. You know, you might have one or two names that are going to be really uh, looked at. You did have Brandon Miller, 
who was moving up draft boards. But, you know, some of the most recent information that's been coming out hasn't painted him in the best light. And he could potentially be moving further down, either slipping out of the first round entirely and going to the second. Uh, you hate to see that kind of stuff. But, you know, you're looking long term. OK, this is going to be a pick that you're going to make for the future of your team. It could be another point guard. If, if it's not Scoot, and let's say the Spurs are fourth or fifth, you know, they get that fourth or fifth pick, it could still potentially be a shooting guard or a point guard, you know, much to the dismay of, of Spurs fans. And I keep saying that time and time again because I know that Spurs fans get enamored with this thing of we need a 3 and D player, they need a big who can shoot. You still have guards, point guards that are 6'7", you know, 6'6", six, six, and they're still able to contribute. You know, so it's not all is not lost. Yes, it's another guard. It's another point guard. But sometimes you're you're just going to go for the best available player, you know, versus the need for the team, which you can go ahead and fill needs for the team later on in the first round or even, you know, deep into the second round if you want to go ahead and take a take a shot at somebody. But that's just the way that things work. You know, so just giving Spurs fans the, the full disclosure here of things that could transpire. Yeah, you you know? need pure talent. That's what you're looking yeah. for in the draft. You need exactly. That's what the Spurs need right now. They, they have positional players, but you need that raw talent that you can mold. Yeah, exactly. So the second topic that uh, Cal uh, brought up here is he asked, is Malachi Branham's recent play the tip of the iceberg? And let's be honest, you look at Malachi Branham and what he's done in the month of February, you know, um, and he's had a pretty good month. You know, he's averaging 18.1 points per game. He's shooting 41.3% on 5.8, you know, he's on 5.83 pointers per game, you know, so 41.3% on 5.83 pointers per game. Not bad at all, you know. And they're asking, he was asking, he goes, he's 19 years old, you know, is, is this just the tip of the iceberg for one Malachi Branham is, you know, is he a player basically that Spurs fans should be excited for, you know, are we just seeing what this young rookie can actually contribute long-term uh, to the San Antonio Spurs organization? What do you think, Josh? Yeah. I mean, I talked, this was actually a topic on Spurs cast and I, I basically just um, you know, I love his three three level scoring he's he's offering right now, especially with the increased threes. I do think we need to be wary that he has more opportunity now because there's no Devin. There's a lot of injuries, Sohan, a lot of, a lot of people out. So if there is a there is going to be a little bit of a of you know a fall falling in those stats probably as people start to return. If they start to return, we'll see what Pop does. But be aware of that. But everything I've seen is very encouraging. I really. I, I, this very well could be the tip of the iceberg. I know that Noah also has thoughts on Malachi because he wrote about him recently. So I'll defer to him also. Yeah. Yeah. I love Malachi. I mean, I, yeah. I really like him. He was, you know, I do, I do draft boards every single year. I had him 14th on my draft board last year. And for me, I thought his ceiling coming into the NBA is a close to a fringe all-star. So probably not, you know, your best player on your team, not a guy who can lead you to a championship, but if the other pieces are in place, someone who can be that scoring punch that can either be, you know, your sixth man coming off the bench or maybe your third option on the offense, because like Josh said, he's a three level scorer. He can get to his spots. He's not super athletic, but he's really patient. He's got a tight handle. He doesn't waste time, you know, dribbling east to west and putting together these crazy combinations like Kyrie or anything like that. He just gets to his spots elevates, knocks shots down. He's efficient. He's really good on spot-up 
shots. He's a good cutter. He runs in transition. Like he does all the little things that you want out of a guy who doesn't get the ball a lot, but he can also do some stuff with the ball in his hands. So for me, I don't know if Malachi Branham again, is he going to be your you know superstar of the future? Probably not. But I think, and this is really not supposed to stir things up, but I think if you're thinking like, well, what do they do with Keldon? What do they do with Devin? What do they do with Malachi? Devin and, and Malachi may be the future of the two and three. There's a chance that Keldon Johnson is fairly expendable here. So I don't know, just, just something to think about. Yeah, and the thing is also what we have to remember is Malachi Branham and his month of February, you know, he's having a great month here. It, it also has contributed to the Spurs and their trades that they've made. You know, there's more playing time now available where Malachi Branham is going to get more run out there on the court and he's able to really showcase what what he's able to, what he's learned, let's say, uh, through the course of the season, you know? So I'm happy for the young kid, 19 years old, getting some real playing time in the NBA. It's always good to have your rookies just kind of thrown into the fire, learn, you know, and be out there with some of the better players in the game. So they know exactly what they need to work on, what they need to do. And it's experience that's going to be invaluable for the team and its growth come next season and the season after that. You want these kids to get better. And that's the thing that I'm always focused on. I knew coming into a rebuild, it was going to kind of be this, this type of season where the Spurs weren't going to win very many games. But we all know that the Spurs are losing. But beyond that, the real story is looking to see what the younger generation, these young uh, rookies are, are doing, how they're flourishing, how they're developing. So, yeah, you're going to find the bright spots in a season like this. And I think yeah, there are absolutely. there still are plenty, even though they have 14 wins. Like, I, I agree <laughs> with Noah that he should have been in the Rising Stars. You know, he, he earned that at the end of the – so um, I'm sure we'll see maybe next season as a sophomore. He, he should be in there for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I kind of skipped. I went to uh, – I started off with, with question two, and then I went to one. So now I'm going to go to – question three and the question three is something that we we're just talking about <laughs> and cal had said it too in his article so make sure you go check that out on fansided he had put are the spurs really this bad you know because it's like he's pointed out you know prior to the all-star break the spurs had last had lost 14 straight games and it made it's gonna he says it may take them a while before they get an elusive win and it, it's true but you're looking at, at what they have done, you know, in years past. I mean, it's one of the biggest declines that they've had when you look at what they did in the year prior and what they're doing this this particular season. But it also has to do with trades and, you know, the personnel the, the that's on the court currently right now with the San Antonio Spurs. They have a lot of pieces. They're still missing some pieces to the puzzle here, you know. So, again, you're going into a rebuilding year and you're not at 100% where you should be to be able to really be competitive to win these games. I'm not saying that the Spurs are not competitive. They have shown that they can compete. they just shown that they don't have the experience to actually win these games. So I think he had something, you know, here. So what do you think, Noah? I mean, are the Spurs really this bad? Yes, they're, they're not good. <laughs> I mean, there's no easy way to put it. They're not very good. And I think, again, like it's all about looking at the positives in a season like this. Like you have development from Malachi Brandon. You see some really positive flashes from guys like Dominic Barlow and even someone like Blake Wesley, who has kind of gone back and forth between the G League. And you can be happy what we've seen from Vassell when he was on the court. So there's a ton of things to be happy about. But if you're looking for the Spurs winning games to, you know, kind of supply that happiness, you're going to fall short. So, yeah, they they are that bad. They just... 
they just don't have the experience or the the talent or really the synergy between one another to pull out victories or honestly really compete for the entirety of a game because we see them fall apart a lot in the fourth quarter and <laughs> That's kind of just is what it is. That's going to be a trend, and it has been, and it's going to continue to be one. Yeah, so Josh, you've heard what Coach Pop kind of did, you know, after when this, this first latest loss. He kind of called the the young players out, the youngins, and they needed to be called out. He's like, basically, they were. he's just saying they're playing lazy basketball. They're not really, you know, mm-hmm. going ahead and giving it 100%, you know, and they're very lackadaisical. Um, but, you know, do you think that Cal's onto something here saying, are the Spurs really that bad, in your opinion, Josh? So first of all, like I, I feel like if if you are looking for happiness this season as a Spurs fan, <laughs> you, like you might need like you might. I'm just gonna like go like this. Just kind of, <laughs> look just, back on better days as I talk, because <laughs> this is all. <laughs> this era is over, and now we're getting into how do you get back to that? Maybe not. Yeah. Nobody can get back to that level of dominance for that long. But um, uh, to answer that. I disagree a little bit. I, I don't think, you know, they are bad, obviously. I don't think they're 30th in offense and 30th in defense bad as constructed. Vassell obviously has missed so much time that I don't think they would be like a 14-win team at this point with with him more available. Um, I obviously don't think they would be good either, but um, they are definitely bottom three, four in the league, just even with their full roster, I think just with how every team is constructed right now. But I do think some injuries and, and stuff, and of course, obviously trade, he mentions trading Pirtle and Richardson is just going to make them even worse. Yeah. So who knows yeah. if this streak is going to go into the twenties at this point, but um, you know, the, the, the roster, you're never going to get 40 wins out of this roster or anything. So in a way, it's a yes and no. They they are bad. I wouldn't say they're this bad to be like at the Rockets level, who is a team that has been in this position for a few years now and don't seem to have any kind of way out. Um, so I agree. Like they're not this bad, and I don't I don't think this record reflects it. But they are still pretty bad. Yeah, you know, and the thing with uh, Josh Richardson now not being on the Spurs bench any longer. I looked at a recent article, I forgot where I saw it, somewhere online, and they were talking about the Spurs bench and how they were one of the best benches in the NBA, even though they are not a very good team. They were averaging something like, I think, 43 or 44 points uh, per game as as far as their bench play goes. And now that Josh Richardson's no longer on the team, (laughs) it's probably going to take a little bit of a dip there, you know? So are they going to finish the season as one of the better benches? Probably not, you know, but it it was good while it lasted. You know, so it's part of being in a rebuild. But as we move on here, you know, we have mixed feelings about are the Spurs really that bad? I think at the end of the season, if they still are one of the worst teams in the NBA, my personal opinion are, yes, they are that bad. You know, their their numbers don't lie. You know, let's just put it like that. Um, But as we move on here and we're going to talk about an article that yours truly here wrote, Noah Magaro George, uh, for for a fan site here, it's posted on Air Alamo. He asked, and he goes, flash or fluke, can Jeremy Sohan develop a reliable mid-range jumper? So this is your your baby. Noah, it's your latest article here. Let us know a little bit more about it. I think it's kind of a tough question to answer, and that's kind of where I left it off because the volume's super low. He's only taking about one mid-range shot per game. 
and he's also shooting well below league average from mid-range, right? It's only like 38%, which is not a great percentage. But I think his willingness to try new things, especially things that we didn't really see from him in college, that's what's going to get him to the next level. So when I ask the question, is, is it, are they flukes or is it a flash? I would lean towards flashes because this is a guy who in college, terrible free throw shooter at the beginning of the year, terrible free throw shooter. And instead of, you know, shying away from trying to get to the line or continue to do what he does once he gets to the line, he altered his free throw form, right? He didn't care what anybody thought. Yeah. He's taking the one-handed free throws. And I think the same thing for his mid-range game where, like, he knows he's not very good at it. He knows that it's a, a, a honestly something he needs to get better at. And he's practicing it in-game. Like, he's putting it to practice in-game. And so for me... They are flashes. It's not like he's just taking these in desperation at the end of a shot clock or, you know, he's he's just jacking up a bad shot in the middle of a, you know, early into the shot clock or something like that. Like he's taking them when he's open. He's taking it when the defenses give it to him. So for me, the percentages aren't good. Again, like the volume's really low, but I think he can get there. And just from everything we've heard about his work ethic to how much he really wants to improve behind closed doors. I would say he could maybe get there. Now, I'm not saying he's DeMar DeRozan or Kevin Durant from there, but I think he can be serviceable enough that it can be, you know, one of those like little ancillary weapons in his game where it's not the bread and butter, but if you're going to give it to him, he can knock it down. Yeah, and I kind of agree with you in that regard because let's let's be honest, I don't think he's ever going to develop into one of these very prolific scorers, you know, where he's going to be able to take over games. But if he can keep teams honest and, you know, with the volume of, of opportunities that he has, he can knock down a jumper, that's going to help the team in, in the future get some more wins, you know. So he is actively uh, working on his offensive uh, game, and, you, and clearly you can see that. But one of the, the, I guess, the bright spots where he really flourishes is attacking. You know, the kid is not scared to attack the rim. He goes up there and he's got amazing athleticism and hops, you know. And not only that, but I've seen on occasion where he's caught the ball midair and still been able to adjust and finish either with a, a layup or a dunk. And he's got great hands, you know, along with all the other attributes he has. He's got great hands. If you watch the kid, he's able to catch some of these passes in stride and just continue. Doesn't miss a beat. So I'm like, impressive, you know. I think what we're seeing is that he's getting more comfortable out there uh, from an offensive perspective. In the beginning, you know, in the, in the from the start of the season, he was a little tentative, but now he looks like he's being he's gotten a lot more comfortable and it's showing. Uh, what are your thoughts on on what uh, Noah had put in his article, Josh? You know, can Jeremy Sohan develop uh, a re a reliable mid range jumper? Yeah, I mean, we saw uh, Keldon come up with a three out of nowhere, that looks super reliable all of a sudden. So you never know what's what's possible. I do feel that like the consistent consistency in shooting form is a big thing. I don't think like Kel even Keldon still doesn't really have that, and so hands is all over the place. And I don't know, maybe uh, if Chip England has a brother or someone <laughs> that we can look for, someone that has any type of his his skills to to coach up shooting that he's done so well that might go a, that might be a big step toward it but it's certainly possible like like Noah said he's not going to become like an elite mid-range shooter i don't think at any point but he doesn't need to be he does enough other things like like you you pointed out Joe he's always finding himself at the rim for these these finishes these alley-oops that we don't really see from Spurs teams like i, I think yeah. he has I don't I don't know like his dunks I feel like he has more than 
most Spurs have had in recent years in a season, and he's just a rookie. So he has plenty else to offer that he doesn't. He just needs a serviceable jumper to re- have defenses respect him, and then you know he'll be a great all-around player, starter level as he's already uh, seeming to be right now. Yeah, you love his energy out there on the court. Anytime you see him out there, he's always active, which is a good thing. It's he's not giving up, and he's not afraid of whoever's in front of him that he has to guard. He's not backing down, and I'm like, I like that. He's got a little bit of dog in him. It's like, go get it. Go get it, Jeremy. <laughs> I want to see him getting a little scrimmish, you know, and get get tossed. You know? see him like, and Pat Beverly go at it and see yeah. how that would go. I would be up for that. I'd be like, yeah, get get fired up, Jeremy. Hopefully he can light a fire into this team and get him, you know, to actually get a win. You know, we got to do something. It's either Jeremy's going to get tossed to get a win or it's going to be Pop that says, you know what, I had enough. Y'all figure it out. Wait for the Rockets, maybe. I think that's <laughs> gotta wait for the Rockets. They can't seem to beat the Spurs. Like, even though they're both pretty bad, you can see the difference in the level of tanks. One's functional, the other one is complete dysfunction. So yeah, I agree with you. Like the second they play the Rockets, I'm like, oh yeah, they have a chance. No doubt. Like they're probably odds yeah. on favorites for that. So I'm hope. waiting for that matchup. Hopefully yeah. they get a win before that, but if we have to wait until then, at least we know there's at least one more, I think two more wins on the schedule for them. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was telling Paul, actually, that, that it was going to be hard-pressed for this team to actually get five more wins before the season was over, you know? And he was yeah, like, how yeah, many yeah. games left? 20, 23. 23, I think. Yeah, 23 yeah. games. So five more wins. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's going to be tough, but anything can happen, you know? And, and the thing is, it's like, you really don't want to get into those bad habits, right? Like if you go ahead and you get, you you start getting into these long losing streaks where they're in 14, a 14 game losing streak. Spurs fans are like, we want to win, we want to win. But at the same time, the, the team wants to win, you know? And you don't want them to necessarily be discouraged and just be sulking and, you know, going into the games defeated with their heads down. You want them to hopefully string together at least maybe two wins in a row, three wins in a row it would kind of hurt their chances from getting a draft pick if they string together eight wins or 10 wins in a row. We don't want nothing crazy like that, but if they could string together a couple of wins, it's good for the overall morale of this young team. You know, it gives them something to end the season on a high note. Hey, at least we got a couple of wins. We are capable of winning because the last thing I want is just them to have a goose egg from here on out, you know, not even have one or two more wins that that would be debilitating, you know? So Hopefully they can figure some things out. And it looks like they might be getting some help because per Jeff McDonald of the San Antonio Express News, he posted a, a video and it showed, you know, Devin Vassell and he's progressed to, you know, three on, working out with uh, three on three, you know. So he's looking good. I don't know if there's a return that's going to be coming soon or are the Spurs just going to sit him out the rest of the season? I mean, what do you what does your heart tell you, Josh? What do you think? Do you think that... This is a sign of things to come that they will play him or are they just going to sit him out? I feel like he should play and I think he wants to play. And I mean, I know he wants to play. Um, and of course, sure, there's the risk of, there's always going to be the risk of injuries, but uh, Popovich has never been one to just put you out there when you're not ready and when he doesn't want you, think you're ready. So if he, you know, he had that procedure, uh, the, the biggest concern in my mind is, it's a knee thing. Those we've seen knee stuff. We've had Kawhi. Um, I know that was a different case, but I'm still I still get traumatized. Go to the corner and <laughs> take a little bit when I think of that. So, you know, if and there's any hint of that, even when he steps on the court, 
just shut them down. That's fine. But after, there's the procedure that's supposedly supposed to have really helped and he should be back to 100%. He's very young. So um, if there's no risks like that, I feel like they should at least give him some run. Obviously, it's going to be limits, I mean, minutes restriction, all of that. But I see no reason that even the Spurs don't really have anything to play for. And I think they knew that before the All-Star break. But the guys out there have something to play for. They they still have pride. They still want to get some wins. They still want to showcase what they can do for the future. And, um, you know, they're just playing for their own integrity. And, yeah, I think it would be a disservice to not play him at all if everything's 100%, like, he's good to go. Yeah. Um, there's an outside shot that that might be the case since there's not that much left. But I, you know, I hope not. And what about you, Noah? Do you think they're going to wind up uh, playing Devin Vassell or shutting him down from this latest video that uh, uh, Jeff McDonald posted? I think they're probably going to play him because Pop had talked to the media like right before the All-Star break. And I believe Tom Orsborne asked him, you know, is Devin Vassell coming back? When's Trey Jones coming back? What's up with Romeo Langford? And he said that he expected all three of them to be back, you know, quote, sometime soon after the All-Star break, which would be a strange thing to say if you didn't think that they could actually come back after the All-Star break. And I also agree with Josh that there's really no reason not to bring him back. I know we kind of talked about, you know, Devin Vassell may be able to help them win a few games and that may be bad for their tanking and their lottery odds. But I'll throw this out here just because I was researching something for an article. The Spurs had a 28% winning percentage with Vassell, and they have a 23% winning percentage without Vassell. With how many games are left, that basically amounts to an extra win and a half. Like, that one and a half wins probably isn't going to do a lot for you. I mean, if it does, okay, it does. I just personally would rather see him go back out there because he was having, like, a most improved player of the year kind of season like he was really good I, I don't know if you saw but he has the second highest increase in usage from all players last season and rather than where most players when they get that many more touches and that many more shots on a bad team their efficiency usually goes down his has gone up and he's shown more self-creation and he's been better from three and he's been better at getting to the rim and he's been better like for me I want to see him continue to build off of that rather than just shut him down. And I know maybe that's a little bit selfish, but I think they kind of owe it to the players. Like if they are a hundred percent, let them play. You can baby them if they have an injury for sure. I don't mind them babying an injury, but if he's a hundred percent, let him go out there because I'm sure he wants to play. Yeah, I think he does. And I think it might be a sign of things to come. I, I believe that probably yeah. maybe within the next couple of games, we'll see him on there as far as being out there on a minutes restriction but nonetheless, it's going to be good to see him get out there and get some run. And hopefully the team can go ahead and string together at least a win or two before the season's over. That's always oh, good for so. morale. Make sure he doesn't have an overbearing uncle or something also. Yeah. Like, I don't want to get too much of these similarities with Kawhi. Yeah, but uh, as we, it's a good segue, though, to go ahead and go into it. Noah was talking about the usage rating, you know, for, for Devin Vassell. So we're going to be getting into the NBA power rankings, the latest power rankings, and they're right on NBA.com. They have this, the Spurs rank 30th, you know, out of the all NBA teams right now, the Spurs are dead last. You know, they're the Rockets are the only team in front of the Spurs at 29. And just to give you a, a, some of the information, you know, the stats of where the Spurs are standing, they are number 30 on the power ranking list with a record of 14 and 45. 
Their offensive rating is 109.7, <laughs> which is 28th in the league. Defensive rating, 119.8, which is 30th in the league. Their net rating is 10.1. They're 30th in the league. Pace, 101.7. They're seventh in the league, which means that they're they're getting you know up there with the best of them as far as being able to run in the open court and push the push yes, the man. issue. Which is great because they're a young team. They should be able to do that. Uh, yeah, exactly. They should be doing that. That should be like their one strength. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They can so, run. Yeah. They can cardio run. of basketball. <laughs> so the Spurs, though, I mean, I mean, they're just like, are they really that bad? Does like like Cal said, you know, because they're in the midst of that fourteen game losing streak. But per the NBA.com and the power rankings that I'm reading this off of. It says the Bulls were worse offensively. They were worse offensively, more worse than the Spurs were. The Blazers were worse defensively by a pretty wide margin over the last four weeks before the All-Star break than the San Antonio Spurs. But this, the Spurs are still in danger of ranking 30th on both ends of the floor for the season. You know, <laughs> that's that's not good. You know, but as far as their usage uh it has gone up as far as both Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell. And they're showing that, you know, in the year prior for Devin, I mean, Keldon Johnson went from 21% to now 27.3% as far as his usage percentage. Devin Vassell was 18.4% in the season prior. This season, he's at 24.2%. So they both seen... You know, they have the the second and third biggest jumps in usage percentage among 270 players that have played at least 500 minutes in the last two seasons. That's that's really good, you know, for both Keldon and and Devin, because these are arguably the, the best players, one and two, that you have on this team. So, you know, these are just some of the numbers and the other number that we're going to talk about right now, too. You might want to get that picture to hug a little yeah. bit more. Uh, uh, <laughs> Wait, I got a different one here. You got a different one. Yeah, I better hug that. Championship banner behind me. Oh, no. Adios, Timmy. It says the Spurs oh, are no. the only team without a win. 0 and 40 in That's games crazy. they've trailed after the third quarter. And the only team without a win, 0 and 42 in games they've trailed 42. by double digits. In the 26 previous seasons for which they have the play data. Only one team, the Clippers, 0-35 in the lockout-shortened season, 98 through 99, didn't win a game when it trailed by 10 points or more. So the Spurs might actually set a record for just, you know, being that bad. I'm like, wow. I might <laughs> need to amend my answer earlier from Spurs <laughs> really that bad. Uh, well, no. Then I mean, let's put yeah. it like this, Josh. The numbers don't lie, you know? <laughs> in In their defense, though, yeah. This is, you know, clearly it's by design. Like, you yeah. know, they are yeah. babying injuries and, oh, you know, sure. there are, there have been guys who like have played well that they have intentionally traded so that they can get picks and, you know, stack the assets. So like, are they that bad? I said yes, but I also understand where Josh was coming from for like, if everyone was healthy, if they were trying to win, then probably not. But like, I guess literally, Yes. <laughs> kind of probably they're bad so yeah depends on how you approach the question are they literally that bad <laughs> sure. are, are they cosmically maybe that bad <laughs> in a perfect world no <laughs> you know i feel like i don't know if you've ever seen this this old cartoon from back in the day kind of showing you how old i am my kids <laughs> used to watch it. it was billy and mandy right 
So they oh, had this Bill raven. They had this raven on there, and then one of the characters, it was Mandy. She cracks a smile, and like the whole world ends, and he, the raven's like, "You're gonna mess with the natural order," <laughs> and like the the world comes to an end. I feel like that's gonna happen if the Spurs wind up winning like two or three games in the row you know, <laughs> with the natural order. <laughs> it started five and two, man. That's why I was like, I still remember that. Oh, I remember the we hooping. I remember the we hooping phrase. <laughs> oh. that came out. See, I feel oh, bad. Like, I feel really bad about that too. I, was like, I mean, this. Devin meant it. Devin meant they were hooping. And he to should. be fair, he also did not specify whether they were hooping well or they were going to hoop really bad. Because <laughs> like every time I go to the wreck, I'm like, oh, I'm hooping. But like, I know every time I go to the wreck, I'm not hooping well. I am hooping, like technically, but not well. So, you know, I'll give that to him. Just put hashtag we playing basketball. <laughs> yeah. <playing> basketball. <laughs> so, I mean, it is what it is at this point. The only thing we got to look forward to as as a collective as Spurs fans is at least that NBA draft is coming up. Make sure you go ahead and start getting your your list in hand and you you start becoming familiar with all these prospects because we're going to be watching this like it, it's like some main major sporting event better than the Super Bowl. I bet you Spurs fans are going to be glued to their sets because this is going to be one of the highest picks that they've had since Tim Duncan. They're expected to at least be three Top or four. Five. You know, they have to be, you know, there's no question. They have to be. If not, there's some conspiracy, you know, <laughs> Spurs fans will riot if they don't get at least a top four pick. But yeah, it, it's it's that important this season, you know, that they pick well and they get a high pick to change their trajectory for the future of, of the franchise. Let's put it like that. Mm -hmm. But speaking of that, you know, the San Antonio Spurs have some uh, good news here. We have to report because per the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame, we have some <laughs> finalists here. You have finally Greg Popovich, Gregory Popovich, you know. He is among the finalists to to make the list here to to be named to the Naismiths Basketball Hall of Fame, along with Tony Parker, who is finally the lone, the last one of the big three to hopefully go ahead and just, you know, make it in as a finalist here to the Naismiths Basketball Hall of Fame. And let's not forget one Becky Hammond, who's going to be who is named to the basketball finalist list of the Naismiths Basketball Hall of Fame as a player, not as a coach. So that's great for Becky. And I also want to give an honorable mention to uh, former Spur Paul Gasol, because he also made the <laughs> well, you know? Um, and I also saw that Dirk- Celebrity Nitsky game coach winner, Paul Gasol. <laughs> yeah. I also saw that Dirk Nowitzki made the list as well as a finalist, and so did uh, Dwayne Wade. So good on them, you know? But what do you all think, I mean, of, of this latest uh, announcement? We'll start with you, Noah. I mean, I think everybody expected this, but this is really just like a nice bright spot in an otherwise kind of depressing season for, I think, most fans. Like, we all kind of knew they were it was going to happen, but actually seeing it happen is really special. And it makes you – it really – like, honestly, it does remind you that the Spurs were really, really special for such a long time to have two guys go into one class plus someone who – played for the San Antonio Silver Stars and was an assistant coach and a player who ended his career here. Like, that's a lot of greatness with one organization. So it made me smile. I'm happy about it. I can't wait to see the ceremony. I think it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be great. Yeah, I, I think so as well. What are your thoughts, uh, Josh, on this? Uh, the Spurs, you know, Pop and Becky and Tony finally being named as finalists to the Basketball Hall of Fame. 
Yes, finally we can t talk about winning uh, <laughs> basketball again. I, you know, obviously they're all they should all be shoe wins. There's there's no reason any of them should be uh, denied. They're all first ballot. I'm, I'm very excited about it. I I did you know I, I was at Air Alamo for you know for Tim's and Manu's induction their whole thing, and I was able to do a whole like Tim Duncan week, Ginobili week. <laughs> Fortunately, now I'm at a place now where I'm just more of a director role, so I can't do a Tony Parker week, but just know that I respect Tony as much as the rest of them and, and know how much he brought to the Spurs, and it's going to be a, a great celebration, just like it was for the other two, and it's going to be the final, you know, enshrinement of, of that whole era. It's going to be a great, and of course, Popovich, I don't. I don't know the whole thing with Pop. I mean, I figured. I, I remember he, once he was saying that he was gonna, he was gonna wait until, you know. I, mean, I don't know if he was gonna be eligible at a certain point or something. I thought it was gonna be after you're you're gone. Maybe it's different for coaches, but as early yeah, for as coaches, it's twenty. I think it's twenty five years if you've been active that you're eligible. So I think he would have been eligible a few years ago. But I think you're right. He was waiting for yeah. his friend Rudy Tomjanovich to be inducted before he would accept his nomination. So okay, now that makes sense. Yeah, thanks for clearing that up. Because yeah, obviously easy choice, all, all three of them. So very happy about that. Excited mm -hmm. that uh, we get to celebrate a little bit more as we mourn that that whole period <laughs> is over but <laughs> i and you know there's still as as somebody that's been a fan of the spurs for over 20 years I, f I always feel very fortunate that i was around for the entire era and i'm never gonna forget it and it's kind of where i why i am here now doing what i do so um yeah nothing but um appreciation for what all three of them did as part of the whole crazy successful organization that they built for so long yeah and you know i know we all feel a certain way and josh is getting nostalgic here so i'm gonna be making you all guys some little gifts here uh i went ahead and downloaded a file to get uh to make a manu ginobili uh funko pop and i'm gonna make a pretty good sized one and it's him holding the little trophy you know 2014 champion you know all that kind of stuff <laughs> so you'll be getting one of those here pretty soon so I'll, I'll ask you guys for your addresses once nice. I finally got them all printed out. So I'm going to print a couple out for you guys. Hopefully you like them. And hopefully he can stand up because his head is huge. You know? <laughs> expect nothing less. Yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and make like a base or something for him to be able to balance on, you know? So I'm working on that. Does he um, have some kind of bat swatting action involved? Hey, I, need to, <laughs> I should make a, a, a little Funko Pop with him sliding down this, the bat. Like, you should. Thing. Yeah. Or just make a, a a 3D print of the actual bat itself, you know? <laughs> just put it on the side. <laughs> a lot of ideas here. Yeah. So we're going to go to start bringing this show to a close. Uh, but before we do, I went ahead and did see a, a screening of Cocaine Bear uh, the other day. And I got to tell you, man, this movie was hilarious. So you can go and check out my my review of Cocaine Bear <laughs> at the CountdownCityGeeks.com uh, website, which I'm I'm a part of here. And I actually helped build the website, so I'm quite proud of that. So make sure you go and check that out. Uh, again, Cocaine Bear, you, just by the title alone, you already know what to expect. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, a really, it's a really dark comedy, but it's so funny. Like, it's a fun ride. It's an 80 themes, it's an 80s-themed dark comedy with gore galore, you know, with the kills and all that from the bear. 
and it's it's fun right and they have a killer soundtrack it's like a cool 80s soundtrack like nice i'm gonna watch it for sure you got to go watch it i mean if you just want something different to watch than just the regular marvel fanfare this is something that's (laughs) different you know and you're you're just gonna laugh everybody in the theater was cracking up laughing and you just hear oh oh." (laughs) so i missed that you know because of the pandemic and whatnot getting back now and watching the these types of movies with a, a theater full of people is is quite something you know that I'm not taking for granted anymore <laughs> so we'll go ahead and bring the show to close at a close on that note um, so for Noah Magarro George and Josh Perez I'm Joe Garcia and thank you guys for watching and listening to another episode of the two shots podcast and like we always say spread the love stop the hate be kind we're out peace peace